Mark Buckner, the pastor here. Delighted to be with you guys. And we here at Antioch Brighton are about loving God, sharing life. That's our interaction with each other and proclaiming Jesus. Wherever you go as a follower of Jesus, you're People are looking at your life, and there's a multiplication, there's an impact that you have. We're going to talk about that impact today. We're going to have a testimony Sunday. We call it Do It Again. Our testimonies are, are something where we see God working in our lives, and we are saying these are not one-offs. This is a pattern that's happening. We, it, it is really true. So many things God is doing in our lives, but we're going to highlight a few today. And I want to welcome them one at a time. There's three people going to share. Kelly Detweiler, come on up here with me. And she has a, a story about what God is doing in her work situation. She works for it's this little bitty mom and pop kind of a thing yeah. right now. So go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. Well, this is really hard, not because I'm nervous, but I use an absurd amount of hand gestures. So... Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, so I, for the past seven years, I moved here right after college um, because of a job. I basically, yeah, I got a, an interview at another small place, um, Education First, which um, I did sales there for four years, um, traveled all over the world. And it was awesome. And then the past three years, I did domestic travel for middle schoolers. And I got to be a part of a lot of really cool things, like 70th anniversary of D-Day in Normandy and, like, this year's presidential inauguration. Like, just being involved in that, it was, it was wild. Um, but the past seven years, it's just a lot of highs and lows. And I think if you know with any job, you get, like, oh, like, I, I don't like it here. <laughs> or this is awesome. I'm at the top of, top of the world. But... Um, throughout that time, I'm like, oh, should I stay or should I go? Uh, just throughout my time there, um, I felt super responsible in terms of ministry. Like, I might be the only representation of Jesus that these people see. So I put an unnecessary burden on myself to just stay, but at the same time, I never had a peace to really leave. Um, in church life, I emotionally isolated. I'm so good at that, which I'm not anymore, but um, I don't know why I felt like I had to look at you when I said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I just, I emotionally isolated, and I got my value, all my value from, I was good at my job, so people would say it, and just like the people that I managed, I won awards there, and it was awesome, but I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but um, there's a passage, so fast forward um, from like, that time there, about two years ago, um, I really started to, to understand the pure in heart will see God. And um, I lived with the Bianchis for, it was supposed to be temporary um, until I wanted to leave, but then they ended up leaving. Um, but just seeing, like, they never really tried to fix me, even though there were things that were going on, like, totally addicted to my work and, um, like, where I was getting my value. But, um, they were awesome at not trying to fix me, but they, that was the first time I really saw like how somebody truly followed Jesus and just like really got away from their distractions and cut it out. And after they left, I just had this like feeling of such loneliness. Um, 
I stayed in their house by myself for like a month, which was really hard. Um, but I, during that time, God really met me there in my pain of um, just getting rid of a lot of the distraction that I had and reevaluating what TV shows I watched and what media I had and um, what I was involved in and also like where I was getting my value. Um, and anyway, about in March, and this was like seeds planted like two years ago. You know you always cry out for a breakthrough, but God is asking you for obedience points too. Um, and part of that was just like what's in my life that's just a distraction from his voice. Um, so I started doing that and just basically planning this field. And um, in March, I had never really gotten visions or dreams. Um, but for weeks, I was getting visions when I would park my car from EF1 to EF, I worked at EF2. Um, and I would get this vision of the corner of the building, like kindling in a fire. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like, are we going under? Like, <laughs> what's happening here? Um, and I actually got frustrated. Like, I would be thinking about what I was going to eat for dinner. And then, like, I would get this vision, like, immediately. It was so constant. Um, and God, I, I was getting frustrated with him, actually. And I was like, God, like, why won't you tell me what this means? <laughs> um, and I remember very clearly on a Wednesday, he said, I'm going to send someone to interpret it for you this weekend. And I was like, great. Um, and that, that weekend was actually a relationship seminar. I was like, where is this going to come into play? <laughs> but um, So this is actually my little plug for Power of a Testimony. But years ago, I don't know if Sandra's here. Anyway, she, said, she um, told a testimony of just an obedience point that she had, a dream that she had. And all of a sudden, like, the vision popped in my head. And it was so clear, like the voice of God saying, why are you walking into a burning building? Like, this isn't what I have for you anymore. Um, So I said, okay. So I set a meeting with my manager on a Monday. And I told it, I gave him everything. I told him the vision. (laughs) Everything. And I'm like, yeah, so God speaks to us. And I saw the place burning down and I'm leaving. Um... And he said, well, can you stay through peak? And I said, sure. So I stayed another four months um, until it was time to go. And I thought God had it all worked out and I had a job lined up. But it ended up I quit on a Friday and I was on a flight to San Diego to visit the Bianchis. It was like, oh, yay, freedom. Um, And then I got a call right when I landed that I didn't get the job that I thought I had, Um, which was okay. I actually had such peace about it. Um. And then I had six weeks of unemployment and figuring out, okay, what is going to happen? And it was hard at times, but at the same time, there were multiple people that were giving me um, prayers about just like, wow, you're not going to lack anything. Hannah specifically prayed that over me a couple times. And um, anyway, I ended up having only two interviews during this whole time, and they ended up being back-to-back. One was at Liberty Mutual, and the other was at Amazon. Um, And I I was like, God, give me a dream. Like, I know I'm going to get one of these, but give me a dream on which one you want me to be at. So he gave me this dream. So faithful. He gave me a dream that night, and it was weird. But at the same time, like, I got invited to, like, Snow White's wedding, and I got invited to the World Series, and I'm like, what does it mean? And um, (laughs) I remember telling Sarah about it, and I had an idea, and Sarah's like, "Um, you got to go where the bride is. And, like, there's going to be peace and a harvest there. And I was like, yeah, that's what I kind of got too, thanks. And 
Um, so I ended up going to the interview, and it was just so peaceful. And, like, the girl that interviewed me, or the HR girl that coordinated everything with me, she's like, yeah, you know, I came to Boston from the West Coast. I don't know why I'm here. It just was always on my heart. I don't know anybody here, but somebody brought me here. And I was like, yes, they did. Um, <laughs> and then my Liberty Mutual interview, I was like, I don't even feel like I have to go to this Liberty Mutual one, but I guess I'll go anyway. Um, and I was just like, nope, this isn't for me. I'm totally going to Amazon. They hired me, so I now work... Um, at making Alexa smarter. Um, But just in terms of, like, the faithfulness of God, I just want to give you this little list. I've only been there for six weeks. Um, So this stuff is legit falling from the sky. Um, Two yet-to-be believer co-workers have asked to come to church with me. Um, Like, timeline, I'm going to come in three weeks. And I said, great. Two other co-workers who are also non-believers asked to come to Life Group on Wednesday. My boss's boss, who is probably one of the most intense people I've ever met in my life, um, had an op- started sitting in my office talking about meditation. And I was like, have you ever heard about prayer? <laughs> like, you're really, like, tapping into something there. Let's get the right thing. And, um, so, and then we, like, veered off into talking about Carl Lentz, the pastor of Hillsong, New York. And that night, she, I got a text the next morning from my coworker. She's like, hey, you're being looked for. And I was like, by who? And she's like, our boss's boss. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I walk in, and I see her looking down the hall for me, and she darts. And I'm like, oh, hey. And she's like, you're never going to believe this. I couldn't sleep last night. I was restless, don't know what was going on. I Google Oprah Soul Sunday. Guess who came up? And it was Carl Lentz, like, and he, like, flat out, like, says the gospel. And she was like, it was incredible. And I was like, yeah, I know. Let's talk about it. Um, one of my other coworkers asked me out to coffee. Um, t- and it ended up, she's like, hey, I see you wear a cross. You have a Bible. What's the deal? And I was like, oh, I totally love Jesus. She's like, cool. I kind of do too, but I want to, like, talk to you more. Like, let's, let's meet. And we're, like, now praying at Amazon every Wednesday. And she invited somebody else that's going to grow to three this week. Um, and it ended up, she's like, hey, I'm, I'm practicing to hear the voice of God. And you were actually one of my obedience points. So she's like, I just feel like God's doing something here. And I said, great, me too. Um, my direct boss told me she never met an evangelic before. And she has some questions. Um, this is my favorite. So my coworkers in my immediate office, they mentioned that their internet didn't work and it must be Satan. And I said, no, not today. Like, <laughs> we're not. That's a no. And I started singing the Hillsong song, not today, and like going wild with my finger. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, you're a fool. And I was like, I don't care. And they're like, well, what is that song? So I played it. It now plays in my office all the time, and they, ha- they, they created a Snapchat group for us, hashtag praise, and they'll sing, so- like, they'll sing it, and like, it goes back and forth. Um, so there's, like, revival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so revival comes through, uh, like, worship is a precursor to revival and praise, so I don't care if they're making fun of me or whatever, but um, it's profitable, and it's going to come back, and there's totally something happening at Amazon. So. Awesome. <laughs> so cool. Wednesday. 
So I want to pray for Kelly, for more and more life to be poured out on her work. But some of you want to get in on that, right? If you say, me too, do it again, Lord, in my situation, I want you to put your hand up, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the honor and favor and faith and joy and hilarity that you've given Kelly. Lord, we say, do it again, more and more. Every one of those conversations that you're opening up, that's life. People are hungry. We're not forcing this on them. They're saying, I need life. I am thirsty. So, Lord, give the seed, the word that grows, the different people in interaction, and everyone here that's lifting up their hands, Lord, give them favor, give them specific words, and give them selfless childlikeness in each one of their work situations. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you so much. Michael. This is Michael Hells-Mortel. Good morning, Michael. What's Jesus doing in your life? Hello, everybody. My name is Michael Hells-Mortel. Put that up on your chin right there. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, my name is Michael Hells-Mortel. I'm married to Marta Hells-Mortel, which she's serving in the children's. And I have a little daughter, Michelle. And um, I was born in Waltham and raised in Watertown. I've been living in Boston for about 13 years now. Um, I'm a realtor uh, in the greater Boston area. And um, I, I came to faith when I was 13. And my mother was studying to be, become uh, a minister at that time. And um, it was good for a few years, and I've had a rocky road when my parents split up and um, kind of went the way of the world for a while, but then God drew, drew me back to himself. And that happened a couple times in my life. The last time was probably about nine years ago when he, I just said, God, I give up again. And I was like, okay, come on, let's do it my way. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it your way, God. And from that point, he's been bringing me to glory, to glory, to glory. He's been teaching me more about who he is and who I need to be in him. And um, a couple, couple Sundays ago, uh, Joe Ewan had a, um, had a teaching on the prophetic. And um, to be honest, when I was there, before I went, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, you know, I'm really tired. I was suffering f- f- from fatigue for about a week, a week and a half, because I was working so hard. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe I should just stay home and sleep. I was, and then just something in my spirit was like, you know, you need to go. You need to go. And I was like, you know, get up, get dressed, and go. I'm like, okay, I'll go. I'm just going to sit there in the back or whatever, but I'll go. Because I was always like, interested in the prophetic. You know, like, oh, the prophetic. And, oh, that was for, like, some people at some times where they, they speak into other people's lives. And it's like, oh, it's so, so wonderful. And every time I would see a prophet, I'd be like, oh, I wonder if he has a word for me. Can I, can I hear a word? And, um, and so I went there kind of, like, kind of down, but just, like, still expecting because I know God always, always works. And, um, and so um, that night, um, Joe was talking about the prophetic and how the prophetic wasn't just for one person here or there, but God has opened it up to all of us. And I was like, God, you've opened it up to me? And, and I felt like God, God's presence was just there, and he was just overwhelming me with his presence. And, and, um, and then Joe went on to talk about how the prophetic was about encouragement. It was about love. And it was about edifying each other. And, um, and then it was something that was just like kind of clicked in me. It was almost like, a, like God is like, okay, here you go. And the lock was unlocked. And I was like, okay, I, I, now I understand. It, it, prophetic isn't just for here or there, but it's for our church. And it's for all of us. It's for me. 
and it's for it's for now, and and it's about love, loving each other, and it's about um, edifying the church, and it's a, which I've always wanted to do, and and always kind of like, oh, how do I do this? But he really unlocked something in me, and I came to a realization that night that that he has he has a plan for me in the prophetic, and it and I came from a place where I was like, okay, that's just for some people here or there, but it's for me, it's for you, it's for all of us now. And uh, when I left there, obviously feeling encouraged. I felt like I was like a battery that was low, and then I was like charged to like almost exploding, and uh, which was really good. And I left there with no fatigue whatsoever. No one prayed for me for the fatigue. No one, no one said, okay, God heal you. It was just like the presence of God was there. And I was listening to it. I emptied it, in, and then the fatigue disappeared. And I was on, I was like, we really had to sleep that night too, but that's okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was just a really good experience. And I, if he ever comes back to town, I encourage all of you to go because it was a really good experience. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. So, again, with, with these stories, we believe we're asking the Lord to do it again, that Prophecy is for exhortation and comfort and uh, encouragement. So it's something that we are all, we can do. You don't have to, you're not thinking of some bizarre concept. You may just be sharing a scripture that's impressed on your heart with someone else. Or, or you think, oh, you know, this isn't that supernatural. But I want to encourage that person. Encourage one another. The scripture says, as long as it's called today. So how often is that? So that means constantly encourage one another. So I want to pray, God, give you grace as we worship. Sometimes during our services in the morning, you can, you can move from where you are over to somewhere else in the room and pray for someone and speak uh, encouragement or comfort to them. Okay? You're blessed. I want to ask Sarah Booth to come up here right now. Good morning. Hi. So some precious things have happened in your life over the last couple of years. Why don't you share with us? Hi, guys. So my freshman year, I came to Boston from Nevada. And I kind of had a rocky summer before that. And I wasn't really going to church. And I came to Antioch, and I loved it. So I decided to go on the fall retreat. And we get up to the woods, and I had been feeling like I didn't belong at Boston College because it was such a culture shock for me. It was so different from Nevada, and it just was an atmosphere I wasn't used to. So we get up in the mountains, and I feel like I'm at home because I grew up in the mountains. And the teachings were great, and it was really powerful. But the second day of fall retreat, I fall playing pickup soccer, and I twist my foot under me. And this shock of pain goes through me, and I can't walk. And I have to be carried back to the meeting hall. And I go, so two days later, I go back to Boston College, and I'm in the health services office. And they say that it's just a strain and a sprain, and it should be all right in a few weeks. So flash forward four months, and it's not all right. Nothing's all right. It's been painful the whole time, every day. And I don't know what's wrong. So I go, I'm at home now for Christmas break. I'm in Nevada. And my parents take me to the doctor there. 
and the doctor looks at the MRI and the CT, and it's an, I have to go to an orthopedic, orthopedic surgeon because that's where they sent me. And the surgeon says, you were misdiagnosed. You have a stress fracture, and you also tore the main ligament in your foot, and you need surgery next week. So I'm scheduling you for surgery next week. You won't be going back to school for at least two weeks into the semester, if at all. So I'm heartbroken and frustrated, but I don't have any other option. So I have the surgery, and I wait the two weeks, and I pray about whether I should go back to school, and I feel like I need to. I feel like I can. And so I go back to Boston two weeks late, and I talk to my professors, and I try and figure it out, and I end up in Boston on crutches for 10 weeks. And I'm going to physical therapy, and the surgery left my, my nervous system really messed up, so I'm on medication for that, and I'm not sleeping at night, and everything is just really frustrating, and I'm really angry at God, and I'm in this pit of despair and desperation because I feel like I did something to deserve this. I feel like I'm being punished even though that wasn't the case. I feel lonely, and I feel like no one understands. So I'm on crutches for these 10 weeks, and I'm going to physical therapy, and my doctor, at the end of the 10 weeks, we talk on the phone, and he clears me to start trying to put weight on my foot. So I'm trying to put weight on my foot, doing partial weight-bearing, and there's so much pain, and it doesn't really make sense. So I tell my physical therapist about the pain, and she tells me that it's all in my head which makes me feel even more isolated. It makes me feel even more like no one understands me. And at this point, I'm furious at God because I feel like I've been abandoned even though that wasn't the case. And I call my surgeon and I say, I don't get what's going on. Why is this still painful? And the surgeon tells me that I need to have follow-up x-rays because that's the procedure anyway. So I go to the follow-up x-rays, and I'm standing on the table at the radiologist because they have to do weight-bearing x-rays. And the radiologist is looking at the scans, and she swears. <laughs> and a radiologist is supposed to have a poker face. So if your radiologist says anything, it's a little bit concerning. So I basically jump off the table, which was probably not helpful for the situation. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? And she is like, I'm not really supposed to tell you this but the screw in your foot is broken. This screw they put in for surgery is broken. So I call my doctor, and at this point, I'm, I'm freaking out. I call my doctor, and I'm like, what is going on? And my surgeon says, you need to get back to Nevada now. I need to see you now. Take your finals early and come back to Nevada. So I go back to Nevada, I take my, all my exams early, and um, I'm back in Nevada, and I go into the appointment with him, and he says, hey, listen, the screw that it broke in your foot, and I can't really say why it broke in your foot, but it did. And because it's broken, all of the other bones in your foot are going to break unless we fix it. So at the longer that we wait, the more and more these bones will break because you don't have a ligament, and the screw is broken, and it's moving around in your foot. So I'm beyond frustrated, and he tells me that I need another surgery. Um, so I go into another surgery in June. It's been, I hurt myself in October, and it's now June. 
and I go in for the second surgery, and after the surgery, I'm six weeks non-weight-bearing on crutches again. And by the end of this time, I'm really just not in a good place with God. When I talk to God, I'm yelling at him. I'm not listening. I'm so frustrated because I don't get it. And I don't feel like he was there. And I'm questioning, God, where are you? So I go back to school in the fall, and my friends are surprised to see me because they didn't know if I would be back. Because I had fallen so far into this pit of desperation and depression that they didn't know if I would be back at school. And that was heartbreaking. And it was heartbreaking because I still wasn't feeling healed. And I'd been praying for this miraculous healing, and it wasn't happening. It was still a slow and painful process. And so I'm back at school, and I'm kind of frustrated with with church and with God, and I decide maybe I won't go to church this year. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe I'll just take a break. But God wasn't going to let that happen. God wasn't going to let me walk away. And he put people in my life and friends in my life who were guiding me towards him. And two of my friends actually spoke the verse, Exodus 14, 14, over me that fall. And it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And I started to meditate on that. And I was going to life group and kind of giving it a chance. And fall retreat was coming up again. And I didn't want to go because I was so afraid of what could happen. I was so afraid to face this fear and to face this pain that I had experienced. Um, So Becky, who was discipling me, told me, you need to pray about this. You need to really think about this. And I started to pray and meditate on Exodus 14, 14, and I realized that God was telling me that he was there all along, that he had never left me and he'd never forsaked me. I just wasn't listening anymore. I was so angry that I'd stopped listening to him, but he wasn't gone. He was still there, and he wanted to walk alongside of me even when I couldn't walk. And he was ready to change my life and to heal me, not in a way that was instantaneously or or instantaneous, but in a way that was miraculous because he healed my heart. He healed my foot and he healed my heart and my life. And eight months later, I ran my first 5K. And and I'm at a place now that I never thought that I would be because God provided this full and complete healing because He changed every element of my life, and my time with him was so much sweeter when I knew the depths of sorrow, because I finally could feel the depths of joy. And at fall retreat that year, I ended up going, and it was redemptive. And we sung a song about joy, the song that says, you give me joy, where you sing, you give me joy, like, a lot of times. (laughs) And I realized that God had given me my joy back. That was back, and I didn't have to want for it anymore, and it was always there for me, and God had radically changed my life, and I'll never be the same. Awesome. 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 Go ahead and take a seat. I want to ask the worship team to come on up back here, and we're... uh, We want it to happen again. You want more stories? 
in your life? I want to invite you to respond. Why don't we stand up right now? I, you know what? Uh, sometimes there's things that you're feeling or that you're thinking as you come into a congregation or you come into a, a meeting and you may think, that's all about me. But sometimes it's what God is doing in a larger level. And as we started the service, I, I felt like the Lord was wanting to deal with disappointment. I don't know, maybe your fall has gotten started and you've gotten to a certain place and you think, oh, you know, it's, I had higher expectations at this point in time. Or maybe there's a promise or, uh, in your life and it just hasn't come together. Or it might be that you're looking for a job. You're in between job situations and you need someone to pray with you. Maybe a physical situation. Something uh, emotionally. You need Jesus involved there with you. I want to invite the staff, some of the elders, our life group leaders up on both sides here. And we're going to worship. And I want you to take an opportunity to pray with someone. So why don't you all move out of your seats, a few of you. And as, during this time of worship, we're opening up the floor right here. We're saying, do it again. Work in our lives. And if there's a specific place where you want to invite Jesus in, he said, if you would agree about this, if you would ask in my name, if you would ask according to my will, it will be done. So we believe in prayer. We believe in the name of Jesus. And uh, so come, worship, connect with the Lord, and let him work in your life.